as I mentioned, we are in our second weekend of our series on um, what we call True Story, uh, this series, which is on truth. And, you know, so the question is, congregation, does truth matter? Do you think it matters? You know, it's, uh, it's kind of a strange time in which we live. You know, there's, you know, there's a lot of talk out there, a lot of treatment of truth in kind of a casual way, treating it like it's relative and things like that. But I'll tell you what, <clears throat> there are certain times when I think the most convinced person that truth is relative is, is going to realize and live out that truth is something that really matters. Like, take, for example, my wife and I flew down to Texas last week, and when we did so, you know, we, uh, we did certain things. You know, one, one thing you always want to do when you fly is get on the right plane, right? <laughs> you want to get on the right plane. So first, we check our tickets, you know, to find out what time does our flight leave? You know, what gate might it be going out of? What, what gate might it be flying out of? And you know what, what airlines, you know, things like that. It's got factual kinds of things, information on the ticket. We call that truth. And that's a, that's a good thing. Then, then when we get there, we look at the big board. You know, you, you go to the airport, you look at the board and see, okay, your flight. Is it on time? Is it still at that gate? You know, where do we go? Is it, and and, and you, you rely on that thing to be truthful. You know, you rely on that. You, you assume it's truthful. And then you go down to the gate, and, and when you're going to get on the plane, you know, you, you scan or, or hand your ticket, show your ticket to the gate attendant, who then is making sure that you are getting on the right flight. And again, you're relying on the truthfulness of that gate attendant, that they don't have some weird, whacked-out sense of humor or something like that. You know, if, if, if we didn't have these certain things that, that were things that we could rely on as truth, if, 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 if we didn't treat, treat truth as though it was important, you know, and instead treated it as though it didn't matter, that it was relative, it could be anything that we wanted it to be. Well, in reality, I could be standing here in Ur, you know, Paraguay or, you know, something, something like that right now, instead of standing before you. Yeah, but instead we relied on the truth of our tickets, the big board, the great agents to get us where we wanted to go. Because truth matters. We know that. Or do we? One major source of stress in life for, I think, pretty much most of not all people is the struggle with truth. Especially a certain kind of truth. It's a truth that we're going to call hard truth. And that's not hard truth as an H-A-R-D, even though sometimes truth is hard. But no, hurt, H-E-A-R-T, what's in here, hurt. What your heart tells you and claims to be the truth. Well, Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says this. He says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond pure. Who can understand it? Which is quite a statement, isn't it? To, to say that the heart is deceitful above all things. More deceitful than anything else you can possibly think of. Any other person, your heart is deceitful. So when we're talking about the heart in the Bible, we're talking about this, this inner being inside of us, this total inner being of a person. 
your passions, your desires, your reasons, your motivations for what you do. That is really what we're describing when we talk about the heart. Your heart is directly linked to what you do. There's a straight line connection between what goes on in here and what goes on in here and what I do out here. This is what Jeremiah goes on to say here. I, the Lord, the word speaking here, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Now, you would expect here, if you're going to reward somebody according to what their deeds are, if you examine their conduct. But instead, he says, I examine their heart. Because there's this straight line connection between my heart and what I do. If you're able to examine my heart, you'd be able to get pretty well what it is that I'm going to do. Because that's the motivator for, for what I do. The heart and conduct are directly linked. As Jesus says this in Mark chapter 7, he says, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, traffic, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, bigness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. What goes on in here makes a difference out here. So you can see what is going on out here by looking at what's going on in here. Or you can see what's going on in here. And in the verse, you can see what's going on in here by seeing what's going on in here. And the person may say one thing, talk to the game, but do another. This is revealing about what's going on in your heart. The person, the person really, the, the, the easiest way to, to be fooled, and the person that is the easiest to fool, is yourself. Please say, your heart lies to you. And the result is if you do or say something that the other one wouldn't do or say, because your actions are based on a lie that you tell yourself. So, what are some of the lies that you might have told yourself? Well, how about this is okay because? Now, I know this is supposed to be wrong, but this is okay because. It's okay that I see that it's because. It's okay that I take this because. It's okay that I watch this or do this or think this or feel this because. That person deserves it. Or I deserve it. Or I want it. Or whatever. Now, it's an example of this would be, and this is admittedly an extreme example, but sometimes extreme examples are great illustrations. A famous example of this would be the Columbine killer. A lot has happened in between what happened at Columbine. But how could anybody possibly do what they see young men do? How could that happen? How could anyone go to the school and keep a punishment to death? But they lied to themselves. They lied to themselves. They said that the classmates deserved it. They said that it was okay when it wasn't. They were justified. They were getting what they deserved. And that's extreme, okay? It's extreme. It's still an example of the lies that we can tell ourselves. Our heart is capable of telling. So the first part lies this to justify wrongdoing from ourselves. 
replicate that. And I said, why? But I'm going to do it anyway because. And then some of the consequences that don't lie, the truth that is there, and you wind up regretting what you did, which you did because you listened to your heart and mind. You deceived yourself into thinking that it was okay. You know, it wasn't okay. It's okay to say this to my wife because she made me mad. She boxed me in a corner. It's her fault. And you say it, and there's relational cleanup on another level. You wish you didn't. But you did. Why? Because you listened to your heart and that's the first heart lie. It justifies one being to the deal. The second heart lie condemns those God has forgiven. It condemns those God has forgiven. It's this self-talk that accuses you. You aren't good enough. You aren't worthy of God's love. You need to earn it. You don't measure up. Not really. They even talk a good game about God's grace, about God's mercy, about God's love, and all that, but when it comes right down to it, that's for other people, it's not for you. The role of Satan, who the Bible calls the accuser. When the Bible describes Satan as this accuser, you can go before the throne of God and try to accuse you to God, and when that doesn't work, and it doesn't work, then he goes and finds the truth in your own heart and accuses you against you. Because you've given them a audience there in your heart. And your heart wants to realize that you believe it. You believe it. And that robs you of your peace and causes you to behave differently. It robs you of your freedom in Jesus and binds you to a self made prison of guilt and self condemnation and even possibly self abuse. You might say that you believe that God, God loves you, but live as though you believe as though that's for everybody else but you. You will hang on to what God has forgiven you and you. Not really accepting his mercy or his love. The second heart lie condemns those God has forgiven. The third heart lie accuses others. It's just like blame from yourself. It accuses others. It's just like blame from yourself. Someone like a parent who might criticize their own kid, but don't you criticize their kid or they will be held to pay. In the same way, it might be okay for you to accuse yourself, but don't let anybody else accuse you or they will be held to pay. So find somebody else to blame. It's like blame. Tell yourself it's really all that other person's fault. Construct a false world, a false narrative, a false reality to create a shield to protect you. Preserve the home front. You know why I'm unhappy? Because of you. No, 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 no. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. You are the responsible for your own happiness. That's the truth. You think I'm bad? Well, you should look at yourself in the mirror. You're not so hot either. I just told you that. It's easy to do that. To try to protect the home. Look for somebody else to blame and leave relational casualty. That's right. The fourth heart, heart line gives you a distorted sense of self-worth. 
On the one hand, it's pride. On the other hand, it's self-loathing. Either one is a hard one because it's a distortion of the truth. Humility, and a lot of people understand that humility is something that is good for us, something that we should strive for. But humility isn't beating up on yourself. Now, humility is seeing things the way they really are. Humility is seeing the truth. But your heart can lie and tell you things about yourself in the, in, in the world of relationships that uh, just really aren't true. Have you ever known somebody who insists that people don't like them? In fact, you can see that not only in yourself, but in the people around them, but the people are, are trying to pour out love to this person. But they won't accept it. Because they have this distorted view of reality about themselves. They're afraid of anger. They're afraid of their own self-worth and lies of all. The result is, is that they can learn of leaving relationships, leaving good things, leaving good places. Because they just listen to heart and If the heart is deceitful above all things, who can hear it? No human being can hear it. Left to ourselves, we will be left to a life stressed out by heart and But there is a superhuman force that can deal with heart and There is a great physician who can heal our heart and cure those heart and your heart is incurable, as this passage says, except by Jesus. But if you happen to notice that with each one of those heart lies that he's talking about, there's one thing that all of them have in common. One thing. And that is they are all focused on you. They're all self-focused. So what's the cure? Jesus is the cure. Making life about him instead of life about you is the cure. If you're around someone, put it this way, if you're around somebody who you knew was a habitual liar, that they could not tell the truth or what about, would you spend your life on what they have to say? I don't think so. So why listen to him? Instead, listen to Jesus. Instead, trust God's word. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the body, soul, and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is there to divide right from wrong. Acts from fiction. It reminds you of God's attitude towards you, of his power of his love, of his forgiveness. The church will come to you with a choice. Either believe your lying heart or believe God's word. When your heart accuses you, remember God's word. Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When your heart lies to you about yourself, worse. Remember Romans 12. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you are, but think of yourself with sober judgment. Two things will be honest, not with a story of sin. When your heart tells you that you aren't good enough, another John 1, 
It says he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. In your heart, when I see that God's love for you, remember James 3 16. God so loved the world to the great of only son to die for you. Trust God's word. And trust God's spirit. Trust God's spirit. And we have that spirit, and we're that spirit that's like a church transplant. And really, that's what that psalm that David read for us earlier is, is all about. It's a church transplant. So God comes into your life, into your heart, and gives you this new heart, creates in you that new heart. And it's so important that the spirit would come, that Jesus said it's important for me to go away so that the spirit can come with you and on you with power. He's called the advocate because he pleads your place in your heart if he's with you. He's called the counselor because he guides you and trusts with a long heart. So it's your choice. Be guided by a proven liar, which is your heart, or be guided by Jesus, who is worthy spirit, who is mine. So don't trust the heart. Trust Jesus. Let's pray about that. Let's pray about that.